It was unpredictable, all right. Earlier this week, entertainer Jamie Foxx found himself facing controversy following an Instagram post. In the post, Foxx wrote, They killed this dude named Jesus. What do you think they'll do to you? Along with hashtags like fake friends and fake love. The post was interpreted by some as anti-Semitic, with critics alleging that Fox perpetuated harmful stereotypes against Jewish people. However, does this interpretation miss the cultural context and colloquial meaning of the phrase, they killed Jesus? A phrase that we've used over and over and over and again in the black community as a warning against backstabbers and people who don't have one's best interest at heart. In a powerful op-ed written by award-winning journalist, political writer, and president of the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists, Ernest Owens, he underscores the importance of understanding cultural nuances and the impact of language in different contexts. Owens criticizes the quick judgment made by certain folk, including actress Jennifer Aniston, who uh, quickly and publicly distanced herself from Jamie's post and accused him of anti-Semitism and highlights the double standards at play as other individuals who've made deliberately anti-Semitic remarks have faced less severe consequences as compared to Jamie Foxx. Owens joins us now for a conversation on the need for greater awareness and sensitivity to the complexities of language and cultural expression. I am delighted to welcome Ernest Owens to this program. Brother Ernest, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. No, nah, man, it's my great honor to have you on. Let me just say this at the outset. When I saw your piece, um, I kind of giggled because you laid out in fine form um, what I had said to others. So your sentiments were my sentiments exactly. And, you know, mm-hmm. when I read people, they don't have to always agree with me, and I ain't got to agree with them. But when they do, I get tickled by it. Because you laid out, I just yeah. think in a beautiful way, the exact same thing I was saying to other persons about this sort of rush to judgment uh, about Jamie Foxx. And I don't need to defend Jamie for, for everything, anything Jamie's ever said or done. But in this instance, it just seemed to me, and while I'm not naive, I understand from, from the perspective of a particular Jew how they might have read this, how they might have felt when they saw it. This is a phrase that we use all the time as you lay out in your piece beautifully. And it's always about warning people, if they did it to Jesus, you know they'll do it to you. And the word they, that pronoun, cannot be a wholly owned subsidiary of our Jewish brothers and sisters. That was my take on it. Correct. Uh, and so, Agreed. So for Agreed. those who have not read your piece, uh, and I'll, I'll tell them where they can find it, of course, but for those who have not read it, give me, give me your sense of how you approached this when the controversy uh, became this brouhaha. Thank you. So, you know, I'm 31, and so I'm always on social media, um, and I've been following Jamie Foxx for a while, and, you know, there's a lot of celebrities who have used their platforms to just, you know, be intimate with the, with their followers mm-hmm. and, and offer tidbits of advice, and anybody who's ever followed Jamie Foxx knows that he'll oftentimes, you know, give out some type of spiritual, inspirational quote or message. So when I saw the post, I, I, I think I liked it, and I was like, yeah, that's what's up. I, I knew what it meant I, off the jump. And when I saw that there was this blog, this random blog that started insinuating anti-Semitism, I said, wait a minute, this man does not have a history of bigotry or any type of hate. Why are we so quick to put that label on him, knowing the power of what that can do to his career? You know, I wrote a book called The Case for Council Culture Mm -hmm. uh, that came out in February. And I talk about situations where celebrities get caught up in anti-Semitism, homophobia, sexism, and those types of things. 
And in this situation, I, I was like, we know, Jamie, why are we assuming the worst? And why is that being put out before people actually ask the question? There was nothing in that statement that, that in my opinion, insinuated anti-Semitism. And the, and the thing that got me was the pronoun, because the problem is, the question I've asked my Jewish friends is, who get, do you all get to have the right to dictate any reference to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Because Christianity, Judaism, other religions reference Jesus in different ways. And what happens to Jesus under the Christian understanding of it, I grew up Pentecostal, you know, Kojic, mm-hmm. you know, this was something we said in the South growing up. And so, you know, there are things, there are cultural colloquialisms that we understand. And this is an example of how white people, largely white people, because I didn't see any black Jews criticizing Jamie Foxx. This was specifically white Jewish people mm-hmm. that, you know, we are oftentimes told to give white people the benefit of the doubt on the cultural colloquialism and things that they don't understand. But why are we immediately quick to label someone who's had 30, over 30 years in the industry, a, a, a sterling reputation when it comes to cultural understanding competence? Mm-hmm. Why would we be so quick to do that to them? And that's a double standard because we got people like Mel Gibson out here, still got a career, still getting an Oscar nomination and has done deliberate you know, attacks on the Jewish community and the black community. This man has said all types of problematic things and this man is given the benefit of the doubt and getting a second chance in some circles. But Jamie Foxx, a post that did not name Jewish people out loud, was even thinking about them, was talking about an experience going on in his own personal life. Yeah. That was his message. Uh, this is this is getting rich, as we say around here, and that's just his first comment. Uh, trust me, I got questions. He's got answers. He's got commentary, and I got a little of my own. You're listening uh, right now to Ernest Owens on Tavis Smith. May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. You're listening to Ernest Owens on Tavis Smiley. Uh, he is a award-winning journalist, political writer, and president of the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists. Uh, and he wrote a powerful piece uh, about um, um, Jamie Foxx and the drama that Jamie got himself in uh, recently uh, with some comments that our Jewish brothers and sisters thought was, some of them at least, thought was anti-Semitic. The people is called black people knew what Jimmy Fox meant by they. Perhaps others should understand too. Black people knew what Jimmy Fox meant by they. Perhaps uh, others should understand too. Um, there's so many questions that are running through my head right now, Ernest, I want to get to. Let me just move as swiftly as I can. to The first question <clears throat> um, that I want to ask is why you think Jamie was so quick to apologize. Well, Jamie's a, is, is a is a is a pro, and I and I commend him for not trying to make this last in the news cycle for more than a week. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he just said, "Look, I'll, I'll apologize." So it was offended. Move on. Keep it moving. Right? Mm-hmm. He could have fought back. He could have just said, "You know what? That's not what I meant. It is what it is." But he understands the game. He's been in the industry for again over twenty five years. He's got a Grammy. He's got an Oscar, Golden Globe, everything under the sun, and he knows how this industry works. And he just said, "You know what?" I'll just say I'm sorry. And you know what? His fans, his loyal fans, handled his handled the work. They took care of Jennifer Anderson on Twitter. Black Twitter had a field day reminding her of her ignorance. And mm-hmm. and people like me, right? Writers like myself who understood what he meant. He he knew he had a strong loyal fan base that was going to handle the rest. 
But he, you know, he he did it because I think he was just trying to save face yeah. and not let this linger. No, I, I get I get that, uh, and and yet I'm wondering. I mean, I, I know Jamie, so I'm I, I ain't gonna say nothing here that I wouldn't say to Jamie face to face. What troubled me about right, it, right, what right. troubled me about his quick apology was that I don't think you do any uh, favors for us when you apologize to folk for something that you didn't say or that you didn't mean I agree. rather than taking I the agree. time to educate them on the way we do things in the black community. Why apologize? Why not take the time to explain it? Right. I agree. I think it could have been a teachable moment. Yeah. I mean, if it was me, yeah. if, you, if it was me, <laughs> I've had situations like that in the past. If yeah. it was me, yeah. I would have simply said, you know, I had a situation a couple of years ago where, you know, I have a brother, I'm 31, I have a brother that's 30. We're like less than 10 years apart. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, not 10 years, apart, 10 months apart. 10 months apart, And yeah. you know, in, around here, we call it Irish twins, you know, mm-hmm. that's the Irish twins. Mm-hmm. And so I said this somewhere, and someone said, that's offensive to Irish people. And I said, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I said, to be clear, where I grew up, you know, this, this means people under 10. We, we're not even thinking about the Irish or whatever the narrative is. This is just something we have said for years and it doesn't mean no offense, but this is what I meant when I said it. And if it caused you some offense, that wasn't mine. But I want you to understand it around here. This is what we mean by this. Yeah. And that's just what you do. Yeah. That's what you do, you know. But I had a situation like that. I was just like, I'm not just going to say I'm sorry to the Irish community and then go away. No, I didn't, I'm not apologizing for something that I didn't intend to do or deliberately do. Yep. What I would do is I will educate and let people understand how we see it over here because they have their own references and sayings that, don't make sense to the rest of us. Yeah, but we are like that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. I I just I had I had a problem with it with the apology coming so so swiftly without any real sort of explanation. Now, having said that, the flip side of my argument is this: if Jamie said this, he 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 tagged it as you know with with, with fake friends. You know, uh, you saw the hashtags, right? Uh, fake friends, fake love. Well, that's what I knew what he was referencing to. Got it. Because but, but, we know what that was about. Got it. But here's, here's, here's my point, though. Uh, if Jamie, if the person that Jamie was talking about, this fake friend, this fake love that betrayed him, if this person, in fact, happened to be Jewish, then maybe Jamie's got some explaining to do, number one. But if the person he was talking about was, say, Tyrone or, or Jamal, um, he, mm-hmm. can, he could also have explained that there are those who believe that the reason why Jamie apologized so quickly and didn't take the time to explain it is that the person was Jewish and Jamie got caught. Mm. Does that make sense? Listen, that 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 do make sense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, we live in a culture where people don't apologize and don't explain. Right. And so what we got here was an apology without explanation. Right. And you know what? Fine. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I, even, I though, even though, even though I will say that I don't, I don't want this to be the narrative moving forward. So anytime we reference Christ as black people, we got to look on our left and our right because of some folks that are going to choose to be offensive about something that has nothing to do with them. That's that, and that's my point. That's what I was saying earlier. When you, when you jump so quick to an apology and you don't take the time to 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 to, to use this as a teachable moment. You do all of us a disservice. So now anytime anybody says something, I mean, I, I, I've been at this. I'm older than you, so I've been at this a long time, as you know. And mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. If, I, if I had a dime for every time that the brother minister has said something 
that all my Jewish friends wanted me to apologize for on his behalf, I'd be independently wealthy, right? So they, they ain't got no compunction whatsoever about demanding that you apologize quickly, immediately, early, and often if there's something that they are offended by. And I ain't mad at them. I, given what they have gone through, given their history, mm-hmm. I ain't stuck mm-hmm. on stupid. I get it. But, the, but, but, there's, mm-hmm. but there's still something a little bit off-putting for me uh, about assuming that you have some sort of power or control over the pronoun they. That troubles me, that you would see something like this and automatically assume he's talking about me. I mean, we... we, we, but, we're we not, but we're not allowed to do that either. Exactly, exactly. Black people are not allowed to do that. That's my point. It's a double standard, and that's what I talk about in the piece, is right. that, to your point, it's like, it's a double standard that we have always been gaslighted every time we had a microaggression or racial microaggression about white people, other people, yeah. we're always told you're making a big deal out of it. Get out of your feelings. You're reading it the wrong way. That's right. But we are automatically given the benefit of the doubt to the misinterpretation of other groups of people when it comes to how they're offended. And I think that that is always an anti-black stand because to your point, we're never asking Jewish communities to respond to the to one person. Mm-hmm. Anytime Kanye did something, I had my Jewish colleagues ask me, what do you think about it? I've never asked other Jewish people about the behaviors of one. When Sarah Silverman wore blackface, I didn't hear black people saying the Jewish community to respond. Mm-hmm. We asked for Sarah Silverman to respond. Right. Why is it that our community is held accountable for one person's actions, but they have tons of anti-black people within their group, and they're never held to that? Because as black people, we don't do that to people. We don't talk to people in a monolith like they do us. And mm-hmm. that's the racial double standard. And, and to put a final point on it, or just, just just to build on the point you've just made, it also plays into a victimization mindset. We are told all the time as black people, y'all got a victimization mindset. You you think you think that everybody's out to get you. You're seeing ghosts and boogeymen everywhere you look. Um, that's what we're told all the time. But in this instance, again, they 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 those persons uh, who felt offended jumped immediately to assuming that this pronoun they was about them without any real cultural understanding of how that term, they killed Jesus, they'll do it to you. I've used that term more times than I can count, and I've never thought about a Jewish person whenever I used it. Not one time. At all. No image, no image, no vision of a Jewish person has ever entered my mind. I tell folk all the time, I am a follower of that first century Palestinian Jew named Jesus. I'm one of his followers. Mm-hmm. And so I have never ever used that phrase and thought about it in a, in the context of being demeaning, derisive, dismissive uh, of any of my Jewish brothers and sisters. And so I, I get the sensitivity and maybe that's the, the world we live in now. And I want to sort of segue if I can into your book about cancel culture. Maybe that's the world we live in now where we are, and I've all my, all my comedian friends tell me this all the time, from Chris Rock to Dave Chappelle to Earthquake to Cedric, all the DL, all the ones I know, everybody says all the time that we live in a moment now where everybody is just a little too on edge, everybody is a little too sensitive. Your thought about that, first of all? You know, I think what, what, what we're witnessing right now is two things happening simultaneously. Okay. We're seeing a world where more people are getting a platform to be heard and to speak they're getting more visibility, you know, through DEI and inclusion. And as we open up the, the world to having more people be accepted and be allowed to share their opinions, we're also entering an industry that is reluctant to evolving with that change we're seeing in society. So these things are clashing. 
And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think they have to clash. I just wish that people would be more sincere and honest about where they come from. I think comedians need to be honest about who their material is for. And I think those in other communities need to recognize, um, you know, if it's not for us, it's not for us. And, and we should be able to say that, you know. And so I think two things need to happen. I think some of these comedians are being disingenuous when they don't act like their humor and their comedy is not for a certain group of people. Mm-hmm. There's certain people where I look at, like, you know, Monique, and I say Monique makes a lot of comedy for a lot of older black women and those that grew up in the same, you know, society she lived in. Mm-hmm. Her jokes are not going to probably land the same way with Gen Zers, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Right. There's a lot of comedians that are like, I'm for everybody. No, you're not, and that's okay, <laughs> right? You know your crowd. And I think that's the problem is you got comedians that are trying to say they're for everybody, but their jokes are not for everybody. When you watch, remember Comedy Central back in the day? I know sure. you know it. Sure, sure. I remember when I was little watching Comedy Central, I remember white people that, my, you know, when I was growing up, my parents would have they, some of their white friends come to the house, and when Comedy Central come on, they crack those white jokes, those white folks would get red and get a little awkward. Those jokes would stop for them. Mm. They need to go see J- Jeff Foxworthy or Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> I just wish more of the comedians would be honest about that because that's when they get in trouble. Right. Trying to be for everybody when they joke to not for everybody. They need to just keep it 100 about that. So your book um, that uh, came out earlier this year is called The Case for mm-hmm. Cancel Culture. The Case for Cancel Culture. I said on this program <laughs> the other day, yeah. I said on this program the other day, and I want to get your, your your read on this, Ernest. And this is just my, my mm-hmm. view, and we ain't got to agree on it, but I want to get your take, mm-hmm. get your take on it. Of course. I said the other day that the last folk on planet Earth who ought to be engaged in canceling anybody are black folk. Given all that Agreed. we've endured and all that we went through, we are the last folk who ought to be counseling anybody. We're the most forgiving people on the planet. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not so good for us. Um, but given Agreed. what but given what we have endured, uh, we just ain't got no business canceling nobody. If, if, at, at, at our best, at our best, what black love is all about is redemption. That's what black love is all about. It's about redemption. And so I get bothered by these black folk today who are canceling folk left and right. And I've had I've been subjected to that in my career. And thank God for Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm still yeah. I'm still here doing what I do. But yeah. if you if you yeah. out, if you yeah. out here at some point, somebody's going to try to cancel you. So, my, again, my, my, my thesis is that black folk are the last folk who ought to be canceling anybody. That's my take. What's your take? So my take is that, you know, we're looking at cancel culture differently. My book, I redefine cancel culture. Okay. I don't. I don't use the same model that a lot of people know it as, and that's what makes the book very powerful. Sure. Um, I look at it, I, I redefine council culture. A lot of what we're seeing right now is harassment, bullying, cyberbullying, retribution, bitterness, right? Mm-hmm. And that's being reduced to it. In my book, I argue that marginalized folks, specifically black people who've been in ostracized society, it's when we actually push back to boycotts. You know, but I look at the Montgomery bus boycott as a sign of council culture. Mm-hmm. When we take it and we use it as a democratic tool, we take it to the polls. Yes. When we when we when we voted Trump out, that was a sign of council culture. We yes. told Trump he's canceled. I, I look at it as a as a tool and it and it has more meaning. And I think some people have purposely weaponized it and demonized it that anytime they get called out, then that's council culture. In my book, that's not council culture. Mm-hmm. I, I redefine it as something bigger and also in a way that's productive and meaningful. So like, if you don't like somebody because you have your own personal beef with them, that's not cancel culture. This is a bigger, more sophisticated way of thinking about this. And I argue that black people, when we had canceled as a collective, we did it judicially, we did it with purpose, and we made change and impact. And mm-hmm. I believe 
that cancel culture, to me, when I look at the Republicans who complain about cancel culture, they're complaining about critical race theory. They're complaining about our books. And then the irony of them complaining about cancel culture is they're the ones banning the book. Mm-hmm. It's funny that they're the ones doing the most canceling, but they're criticizing everybody else. Why do they want to take away our right to vote? Why do they want to take away our right to free speech? Why do they want to shut down Black-owned media? It's because we have the power to influence. And so I'm trying to reclaim the title. I want to reclaim what it means for Black people and for communities that I belong to to think about this a different way. Um, and it's more about accountability more than anything else. Yeah, I um, can I just say I, I love your reclamation project. I'm a supporter of it. I love, <laughs> I love this reclamation project you have underway, uh, redefining that term cancer yeah. culture. And in that regard, uh, you and I are simpatico. I, I love it. I, I like the way you're thinking. I like the way you frame it. I had you on to talk specifically about the Jamie Fox thing. Now I got to go get this book and read it for myself. Now that you've uh, laid out how Please. you reframe it. Oh no, Please. trust me, trust me. It's on my list right now. I, I'm, 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 I'm going to order it the minute we get off the air here. Uh, I want to read that uh, because I, I like the way. Um, that you you frame that um la- last question here in about 60 seconds um is is this thing with jamie fox dead now now that jamie's apologized is it dead is it over is it is it done yeah it's a, it's a wrap okay okay <laughs> it's a wrap i think i think he did it so well right he didn't let it linger right he immediately jumped on it shut it down his supporters took care of jennifer anderson i think that in two weeks we won't even be talking about it mainstream you know, it reminds me of Whoopi Goldberg situation. Like Whoopi Goldberg got ahead of it. Sure. I feel like when celebrities get ahead of it, 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 it dampers it. And we got other things to worry about. Jamie has a lot of other things going on that I feel like is going to like, like we don't got time to be worried about this. We should be worried about his health, his career, what he got coming next. Like I'd rather talk about that than talk about this nonsense. There you go. Ernest Owens is an award-winning journalist uh, and CEO of Ernest Media Empire, LLC. Uh, he is the author of the book, The Case for Cancel Culture. Uh, that's a, a St. Martin's Press. You can find that, The Case for Cancer Culture. Uh, and he is uh, the president, uh, presently, of the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists. How was the, uh, you made it to the convention down in Birmingham? You had a good time down there? I did not go. Okay. You know, I I, I, I I was enjoying my time here. Right. Um, I'm actually at Martha's Vineyard. So. Oh, enough said. Enough said. I'll leave it there. <laughs> uh, get back to enjoying Martha's Vineyard. Ernest, thank you for coming on the program. All the best to you, sir.